Isaac Shade here, co-host of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Join Andy Patton and me every Monday as we break down all the buzzer-beating action, conference rivalry games, and need-to-know bubble matchups ahead of the NCAA tournament. Check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. New Boston College head coach Bill O'Brien brings higher expectations to the Boston College Eagles. But are Eagles fans getting their expectations too high? You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. This is Locked On Boston College. I'm your host, AJ Black. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today and you'll get $150 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. We are now into the first week of Bill O'Brien's official tenure at Boston College. Uh, According to some reports, he met with his staff, talked to people today. Uh, Nothing new really came out on Monday, but with Mitch here from Mitchell Wolf of Eagle Insider, we're going to talk all about what expectations should be around Bill O'Brien and are fans setting themselves up to be disappointed or should they continue to think that he's going to bring a level of um, success to BC? Mitch, how's it going? It's going well. You know, we had this discussion of a few weeks, maybe like a month or so ago, and, you know, it didn't really garner a lot of... uh, reaction you know people definitely weren't mad or anything so i figured now that this and things have changed maybe we can spark up some more interest and people will really get going about this conversation so i i referenced it on yesterday's show i don't remember who put it out but it was a it was a um somewhat at least a blog that had they were ranking acc coaches and they had bill o'brien at number three that was one thing i saw i've also seen people um another person who does a Boston college podcast at saying that 10 or 11 wins would be a nice uh, regular occurrence under Bill O'Brien. I've seen people talking about ACC championships under Bill O'Brien. Expectations are very, very high. Mitch, are people setting themselves up for disappointment? I don't think everybody is. I think some people are. Um, And I think that there was a very interesting point about this that when I was listening to the cover three podcast uh, which features Bud Elliott of 247 sports and he was talking about how if you look at BC's history and specifically since they joined the ACC when they joined BC was very successful in his first few years with Tom O'Brien and Jeff Jagosinski but if you look at how the rest of the ACC was doing at the, at the time compared to where they are now it's very different so back then you have Clemson not being a thing Florida State's kind of in transition, uh, kind of en- entering, leaving the Bowden era. UNC is, it's like, I think it's early Butch Davis. So they're not doing anything. Miami is still a mess. Um, and so, you know, Virginia Tech's doing really well, but they're like, those traditional powerhouses aren't doing what they're expected to do. And now most of those powerhouses kind of have their crap together. You know, Florida State is on the doorstep of the college football playoff. Clemson is obviously on the downswing relative to where they were, but they're still a dominant force in college football. 
Uh, UNC is, they disappoint every year, but Mac Brown has got them doing some stuff. And Miami is, you know, the results on the field aren't there yet, but Mario Cristobal is always going to recruit at a level that's, you know, one of the best in college football. Um, And then not to mention you add a school like Louisville that uh, had a really great year under Jeff Brom. And even ever since they joined the ACC, I don't think they've had a losing season. I'm going to look at that, see if I can figure that out really quick. No, even, um, when they were, to, even when they were bad a couple of years ago, they still finished with the seeds. Uh, yeah, like they are. Yeah, like they always figured out a way, even when it was with Scott Satterfield, who was seemingly yep. trying to get out of that job. Um, you know, they would always find a way to get to bowl eligibility and he would be stuck there for another year. Um, so, you know, and then, and of course, we're adding, you know, obviously the you know, SMU is a good G5 team and, you know, Stanford and Cal have had decent years in the past, not so recently. Yeah, so Louisville's worst junior ACC was the last year of the Bobby Petrino era where they went two and 10 in 2018. They also went four and seven in 2020, six and seven in 2021. But, you know, that's a bowl, bowl loss and then a loss in the first in a COVID year when everything was weird. But other than that, really good since they joined the conference. So it's hard to, you know, that that's a, it's a program you have to contend with. And of course you have the, the ones that are like BC that you always are competing with like Syracuse, Pitt, Wake Forest and Virginia Tech, Virginia Duke, that kind of level of program. Georgia Tech, I guess. So that's, and, and obviously BC is doing well back then. Those programs start to find, figure some stuff out. You know, Jimbo takes over, Dabo gets Clemson going again, and BC makes some bad coaching decisions regarding uh, Jagosinski and Spaziani and what have you. And now BC's back to this, like, uh, you know, six win, six, seven win uh, tier of program. Enter Bill O'Brien. Do I think he can raise the expectations of this program? Absolutely. And I'll heart, I'll reference back to the discussion we had a few months ago where I was saying that I felt that BC fans need to become more comfortable with the fact that they need we need to start setting the expectation to get to six to seven wins. And once they're consistently doing that and consistently winning bowl games, then we can start talking about getting that floor up to the seven to eight to even nine range. Obviously, O'Brien hasn't coached a game yet, so maybe it's a little unfair to be doing this now. But based on what we're seeing with and what we've heard about uh, the BC administration being more willing to invest in athletics, which is something they were not willing to do under previous administrations, that changes the atmosphere of the expectations BC can operate in. Because if the, if the administration is willing to ante up the money to play at the big boys table, then we can talk about, okay, now we're, we can realistically expect them getting to eight, nine wins because the administration is giving them the resources to do so instead of just, you know, saying like, oh, we're, we only, you know, we should, we expect to get these eight to nine wins, but, we're, but the program isn't being given the resources to realistically get to that level. Yep. And so we've seen uh, uh, BC push more into uh, what they've been able to spend. And it feels like it's a different, as I said on yesterday's episode, it has a different feel going right now where BC is, you know, they got a coach that they were willing to spend on. They didn't go for um, Deshaun Foss. I mean, sorry, I shouldn't say that. Um, they didn't go for a guy that did, didn't have a ton of experience. They went for the, the guy that they wanted and was able to, to to pony up. It sounds like they spend more on him than they on, on O'Brien than they did on Halfley. So I feel like the school is trying, at least. And I, I give the credit to Blake James. I'm not sure where the upper administration said that to try to get BC up that level to get them so that they're not the poor little sister. That's not spending money. And this O'Brien hire is doing just that. 
Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, this year, I think people are fair to say, okay, down the road, we should be expecting more wins. I think the ACC championship's still a little rosy, um, but, you know, I, people want to have hope when the new hire comes in. So that's fair. And I, I think people for this season, I think most people are being a little more realistic because it is a harder schedule. The roster probably isn't going to change that much. Um, you know, maybe you make turn one close win to close loss to a close win, get get to that six and six. But I still think with this schedule, getting to six wins is a success, especially for a coach that comes in in February, ostensibly has a bit of roster turnover once the spring transfer window opens and, you know, has a little less time to install his offense and for the players to acclimate to the new coaching staff. So, you know, I think, I think we need to, I think this season expectations need to be a little bit of be a little bit tempered. Like he's not going to come in and fix everything in just in less than one year, but if Fabian can put together some positive results this year that are then good to build upon moving forward with, more resources being invested in recruiting, uh, NIL facilities, staff, all that kind of stuff. Then we can really say, okay, BC does well this year. Next year, schedule gets a little easier. Let's talk about getting up to that eight win, maybe even nine win window. But, you know, again, <laughs> I'm, with me, I'm always going to be a little pessimistic or cynical about this because it's, I just, I'd rather, I'd rather not believe in it and be wrong than get super hopeful about it and then be, uh, uh, heartbroken again. <laughs> and in just a moment, Mitch and I are going to talk about, and Mitch, you ready to do a little audible? BC has hired their offensive coordinator. We're going to talk about who that is in just a moment. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book, right? Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 bet. That's 150 bucks if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets. Live game parlays. I love FanDuel because the parlays are so easy to use. Quick bets, it's right there. Like they have a bunch. You can you're thinking about something, you don't have a ton of time. Boom, they're right there. They got exclusive props and much more. All you gotta do is just visit FanDuel slash locked on and shoot your shot. You make your wet your wagers, you make your win, and it's in your account instantly. I love that. FanDuel is the place to go with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NBA. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. This is Locked On BC, AJ Black. And I feel like every time we go live, news breaks. I went live earlier on Friday and they hired Bill O'Brien, or at least that was the first start until Pete Thamel put the wet blanket on it, which was then true about 12 hours later when he could break it. But <laughs> as, as everyone in the comment section was saying, uh, B, and I saw the alert go on my phone, BC has their new offensive coordinator, or at least it looks like they're going to get it. And it was someone that we had already targeted on our site. It's Will Lawing, uh, the offensive coordinator. Uh, he's going to be coming from the Patriots, the tight end coach. Mitch, I know you've looked into this guy. Talk to me about him. Yeah, this was one guy that I mentioned that 
I figured O'Brien would be bringing with him because uh, Long has been with him lockstep for the last decade. Uh, he joined Penn State as a graduate assistant back in 2013, which was O'Brien's second year there. Then he followed O'Brien to the Texans. He was a defensive quality control coach for three seasons, an offensive assistant for two, the tight ends coach for two, at, and that was all with the Texans. Then he followed O'Brien to Alabama, where he was an offensive analyst for two seasons, and last year follows O'Brien again to the Patriots, where he's the tight ends coach. So, you know, just based on the last decade, I was like, hey, this guy's followed O'Brien everywhere. I feel like betting on him to follow O'Brien to BC is a pretty good bet, and that worked out. And it seems like he's joining the offensive coordinator. Uh, makes sense, um, given that he has he has never been a coordinator before. Um, he's just been a tight ends coach, but this is clearly somebody that O'Brien really respects and wants his input as he keeps just bringing him wherever he is. So, you know, going from an NFL position coach to a college coordinator makes a lot of sense, especially because ostensibly Long might not need to move, which is probably good for him. Um, so yeah, I, I think this is, this makes sense. Uh, we were talking about some kind of fun hypothetical offensive coordinator hires at BC really wanted to break the bank, but this is a little more logical and within the realm of possibility. Right. And Bill O'Brien's probably going to have a lot of guys on the offensive side of the ball that he's, he's mm -hmm. got that he knows and trusts the out of left field hire could be a defensive coordinator. I feel like yeah. so, someone, maybe he, because I, I think, when you have an offense, like he's an offensive minded coach, right? So he's going to go with someone that does things the way he does it um, and knows his system. So it makes sense to get a guy like this. Now, does yeah, this so mean two, Sorry, two things in that? So one, so I actually have, I found essentially what is the Patriots 2011 playbook. Um, and I've been studying it for the last few days and you definitely need some extra people to help explain this to people because it is extremely complex and dense. And you know, I pride myself on being somebody that, um, you know, was willing to do the work to try to figure these things out. And this is like it's in a different language. It is crazy how how complex this playbook is. And Lawing is ostensibly somebody who can be that translator. Um, and the second thing is, I, I, I do still wonder, though, based on where O'Brien has been previously, at least as a head coach, I guess when he went to Penn State as a head coach, he he brought in Ted Roof as a defensive coordinator, who was an outside guy. I, they might have like worked together as assistants prior. I can't remember. But when he took the head took the head job at the Texans, he hired Romeo Crennel as his defensive coordinator, who was with him until the very end. And you know, Crennel was, as you and a lot of listeners probably know, was a Patriots defensive coordinator, um, long time there. Had some head coaching experience, didn't go as well. But again, that's a guy that O'Brien. I'm sure that they overlapped at some point, or at least he had the recommendation from Belichick. So maybe we do see some him bringing somebody on the defensive side that he knows because kind of the inverse of Halfley, we assume that O'Brien is not going to be as intimately involved with that side of the ball. So yep. you figure he's going to give it to somebody that he trusts can run the defense well and in a way that he wants. And also going back to that, his one of his early Texan staff, he hired Mike Vrabel as a, as a position coach who he would have known from his days uh, with the New England Patriots. So when you look at lying, it's kind of hard to parse out what he's going to be like with this offense. Do you think this is going to mean the end of Steve, Sh Steve Shimko or do you think, I think it's, could... I think it's possible. I still would like Shimko to be the quarterback's coach because I, as I was saying to you, I would really like Shimko. I basically, basically what I'm thinking of this, it's like a, 
like in a movie where there's like a diplomatic meeting and both sides, both countries have translators. So yep. essentially, O'Brien is the one guy, Lawing is his translator, TC, Thomas Castellanos is the other guy, and Steve Shimko is his translator. And so the translators would be Lawing and Shimko, and they would essentially work together to take O'Brien's offense, uh, trim it down, meld it to what Castellanos does best, and then that's the game plan that they can put out every week. So again, like I, that's, and I think, and again, this is something that I'll talk about more into my articles and I'm sure in the podcast is that I, I think that Shimko is the guy that designed a lot of the quarterback run game for Castellanos and that, and that designed quarterback run game is not necessarily a big part of O'Brien's playbook historically. So having a guy like Shimko there to work with a guy like Lawing, who has the, uh, depth of knowledge of a Brian system and they can work on combining those two um, philosophies to put out a good offensive product. And I think it's safe to assume that Chud probably is gone, right? Yeah. Chud was there as a Halfley, as a guy who knows Halfley well and Halfley trusts. And again, a guy that Halfley could trust to work with the offense design stuff. Uh, and eventually, you know, I don't think he was calling the plays, but he was intimately involved this past year. So yeah, I don't, and, I would say O'Brien doesn't necessarily have that connection with Chudzinski other than, you know, they were assistants and I know Chudzinski was head coach for one year. And I think that was the year before O'Brien took over the Texans. So I'm sure they met at coaching clinics or, and played against and, you know, coached against each other in the NFL, but I don't really anticipate there being a deep connection between the two. And we, so we had to audible. This was not, what we're going to talk about. So I want to get quickly into what we're going to talk about now that we know what the offensive coordinator is. And we were talking, we're going to talk about in a second about how BC probably spent well on their strength and conditioning coach. What are, you know, what could you see BC doing for their defensive coordinator position? Cause I, I just, I have a hard time thinking that O'Brien would go in and go, Sean Duggan, you're going to be our defensive coordinator just based off of, he doesn't really know him. And Duggan didn't do all that well last year. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I, I personally think it's a little unfair to, you know, make a strong declaration that Duggan was good or bad last year. And I know that people disagree with that because, because uh, they think the linebackers were, were the worst thing on earth and that they were terrible. And therefore that's all Duggan's fault. Um, and also now that, now that Azar Abdurham's gone, it all the blame falls on Duggan again. So I, I wasn't, I would have not minded Duggan staying on as the linebackers coach, Um but yeah, definitely not as the defensive coordinator in terms of guys they could bring in. I know you mentioned, uh, well, I guess it's on the site, but do we want to talk about the sitting head coach in a near? Yeah, let's do it. So yeah. um, well, I'll bring up one of our, re- our listeners, Marty party asked it. And he said, could Don Brown come back to town as the new DC? Go ahead. And yeah, I mean, I think that would be, that'd be pretty cool. I mean, Brown clearly still has, I think he still has the recruiting chops. Um, he definitely has a defensive identity, which is great. Um, I imagine him and o- O'Brien, I don't think they've ever actually overlapped as coaches, but, you know, being in new England for a long time, I'm sure they've met, um, multiple, at least a few times. Um, and that's a guy that, you know, he can install a system and O'Brien, it, this is kind of, um, like when a younger coach just hires like the old, like, this is like when Sean McVay hired, uh, West, uh, Wade Phillips to be his defensive coordinator when yep. he took over the Rams, like just hire this guy that is kind of just a plug and play defensive coordinator. Obviously O'Brien has familiarity with the school. Um, he's had success at the school. And, you know, again, if BC is willing to shell out for coordinators at this point, you know, I think that if 
they can easily outbid what UMass is paying Don Brown right now. And obviously he's only been there a year. So maybe he doesn't want to cut tail and run, especially at a school that he has connections to. Oh, it's his second year. Okay. Yeah. So this is his third year he's going into. Okay. Anyway. So maybe a little more likely because as we all know, UMass is a dead end job. Um, But again, he has deep connections to that school. He's coached there before for a long time. So maybe he's kind of, this is, that's kind of his retirement job where he's like, Oh, you know, I'll tinker with UMass and maybe something will come of it. If it doesn't, I'll just retire. Yeah. So if, if, if folks are wondering, I looked it up and I'll have this up on Eagle Insider. Don Brown made $875,000 last year as head coach of UMass. I could see, I don't, I don't remember what Lokabu made, but if BC would offer like 1.1, something like that. Um, I don't know if that's unreasonable, but feels like if they want to make a good defense, Don Brown would be the guy to go for. Um, any other names you're looking at defense? Um, Al Washington was one that came to mind. Um, you know, I think there were some rumblings that it would be really, really cool if they could, if BC could essentially bring in both of their finalists, uh, get Washington back out of Notre Dame, where I think that he's kind of log jammed there because Al Golan's the defensive coordinator. Um, and obviously Marcus Freeman has some defensive background. And I think they have the past game coordinator has, he might've been there longer or has a deeper connection to Notre Dame. So he might, um, you know, kind of be ahead of a Washington, the totem pole. So getting Washington out of there where he can be a defensive coordinator, that might be a path to go. Um, I'd have to do some more research about uh, defensive assistants that could be looking for a job like this. Cause I, I know more, I just, I generally know more of the offensive ones, the defensive ones I need to do more research on. Um, because and I, I mentioned some guys in an article that O'Brien has known from his pro days, but um, let's see, it's Anthony Midget and John Butler um, who have just been let go from their uh, defensive assistant coach positions at, at uh, the at NFL teams. So, and but they haven't been in college for a while, so that's a bit of a uh, question mark for them. So uh, I'd have to do some more research on names for that position. All right, and you talked that you know offensive well and defensive maybe not so well. In a moment, Mitch is going to talk about strength and conditioning coaches, and we're going to talk about why they are important and why what BC did was a big move in the right direction. We'll explain why in just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay Guaranteed Fit only available to U.S. customers. Locked on BC, AJ Black, and we're talking here about B- BC's new coaches. It's it's happening fast, and we had wondered earlier if BC would actually keep a lot of the guys on board, and the first domino to fall happened on Sunday, and it, it, it was very clear that something was going to happen because on Sunday morning, I texted Mitch, who's a Steelers person, that Phil Matus, who is the BC strength and conditioning coach, um, was I, I still have not seen complete confirmation that he had left, but I saw a pretty big Steelers site say that he had taken a job with the Steelers. So he was gone. That night, 
we got confirmation from on three's uh, Florida site that Craig Fitzgerald, who was just hired on December 30th by the Florida Gators from the New York Giants, coming from the New York Giants, had taken a job with the BC Eagles. So BC poached him from Florida. This was a guy they were very excited about. And if you want to go watch some people melt down about it, um, this is worth your 247 subscription in itself. Go to the Swamp 247. You can't post on it because they don't let outsiders post. But you can see them all melting down because they, they're like, why the heck is BC stealing our guys? That being said, this is a big deal. BC, Fitzgerald is a big deal because he, know, just like with Long, knows Bill O'Brien. He's been with him, as you can see in the picture on YouTube, with the Texans. I think he was with him at Penn State. He's been with him everywhere. But just because he's been with him doesn't mean he'd just leave his job to go to BC. The Eagles had to pay, obviously, to get him to come. Like, you can't just, like, say, oh, we're going to, you know, undercut you. Like, we're going to pay less than what the Gators are. But you know Bill O'Brien, so you're going to come here. That's not how this worked. BC obviously probably paid a little bit more. And they bring in a strength and conditioning coach that's a big deal. Mitch, why is this a big deal? Yeah, I mean, so when I was looking at O'Brien's previous assistance, I kind of dismissed Fitzgerald's possibility because he had just signed on with Florida. And I was like, okay, like, he's the director of football performance there. Don't think BC's going to be able to get him. Like, that's fine. Uh, I actually had listed uh, Brian Bell, who was an assistant strength and conditioning coach uh, under Fitzgerald as a guy that they could explore bringing in because I, I don't, I think he is also between schools or teams right now. So I was like, okay, you could bring him in as the new strength conditioning guy. Um, and that'd be fine. But getting Fitzgerald is obviously a major coup. Um, and the reason why is because it, there's, there's been a lot of written about this, particularly there's an article back from 2019 by Andy Staples. The article is from sports illustrated. He's now with on three, but it's a whole article about how important strength conditioning coaches are at these big programs. And the, the one example he mentions is if you remember watching Oregon, and I think if you watch Miami now, there's always the, the guy who's like the get back guy for uh, Mario Cristobal. He has a very like distinctive mustache mm-hmm. and he's a big Jack dude. Um, and I believe he's their head strength and conditioning coach. And the reason why these guys are so important is because they are the ones that are interacting with the players on a nearly daily basis. Like you could probably like, you know, even if you're going to practice and you're in the same, you know, if a player's practicing and they're they like, let's say they're like a linebacker. So, the, and they're maybe not encountering or talking to Bill O'Brien every day. You know, they're in the same practice facility, they're in the same building, but they're not talking to them because it's, you know, it doesn't come up. But the strength and conditioning guy, you're going to be talking to him almost every day, whether it's just because you're working out or you're at the training in the training room and he's there. Um, so it's kind of like, I'm not, it's hard to say this, but, um, the, the strength and conditioning coach is almost kind of like a, I don't want to say a spy, but like he can kind of report things to the head coach. Like, Oh, like this player is like doing really well in workouts or he's here all the time. Or maybe a player is not coming to workouts, not coming to the voluntary ones as much um, or stuff like that. So they can be the inside info to coaches. And also, again, they can be kind of the liaison for players to co- to the head coach. If you know, something's going wrong. So that's why that player and role is so important. I, I think the guy's name is Scott Cochran, who was the, head strength conditioning coach at Alabama. I think now he's at Georgia. And he was like, when Kirby left, Kirby Smart left Georgia, that was a big deal, him stealing Scott Cochran from Nick Saban because that guy was such a a major part of why Alabama was so good back in the 
I guess, you know, they've still been good, but you know, back in the mid 2010s, they were absolutely dominant. Scott Cock was a big part of that. I, I believe if you watch, if you watch the combine and you watch the, the bench press part of it, I believe he's the guy that's like, you know, screaming and yelling at them to get the bar up another time. So you have, and again, that, it, you know, aside from all these things, obviously the strength coach is usually that big, like rah, rah motivational guy. So like, you know, Bill O'Brien might not be the one like, you know, giving the crazy speeches and thumping his chest and getting players to headbutt each other. Like that's going to be the strength conditioning guy because, you know, they're meatheads and they, they, you know, take a lot of pre-workout and are just crazy. So that that's why that role is so important. And, and what, one of the things that we brought up under Halfley that was a big issue was that like end of the year tail off in November, mm-hmm. like injuries were just like piling up and got like, you were like in Halfley, we keep talking about that, right? Like we had to go deep in our, our depth chart because this guy's banged up and this guy's banged up. Is a good strength and conditioning coach, a good medicine to fix that kind of thing. Um, I I'm honestly not sure. I, I think, I think fans will see it as I think the fans will see somebody who's different. Therefore it's automatically better. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's, it's kind of basically how I've been on a few Packers podcasts talking about Halfley and basically how his defensive style is so different than what they've had the last year that even if it isn't as good, the fans will be happy early on just because it's different. And I think that's kind of how people will think about the strength conditioning staff with uh Fitzgerald at the helm. Um, I think that can alleviate a bit and but I think that, again, a big part of it is just it's hard in college because the practice time is limited. The amount you, amount of you know hitting and tackling you can do is limited. Um, so just because just of the constraints of being a college student, also they obviously want to keep players safe. So that, that's part of it. But I mean, I can't it'd be hard for me to imagine a world where Fitzgerald is somehow worse in that department. Um, in terms of more BC guys breaking down at the end of the season. Like that would be, that'd be truly special. That'd be like uh, a Baltimore Ravens level kind of incompetence based on, aside from this year where they finally got it together, but in years past where every year at the end of the season, the Ravens, just everybody was hurt. So this seems like a good sign that BC is going to spend. So we've, we now have Will Lawing in spot in, in place. BC still has to hire a secondaries coach. They need a defensive line coach. And we don't know yet, and we'll have to just wait and see what the Eagles and what Bill O'Brien's going to do with the guys that are on staff. I've said before, a guy like Matt Applebaum, I would hope he, he they could find a spot for him. He's done a nice job. Same thing with Daryl Wyatt. He's a good recruiter. Savon Huggins seems like he's okay. You can find out from there. But there still seems like there may be more moves waiting. And what he does with Sean Duggan will also be something worth watching. Um, Mitch, any last thoughts before we head out? No, it's just another weird episode where we get this big piece of news in the middle of the uh, episode. We have to completely pivot what we're talking about. And uh, I'm glad I had you. I am glad I had you on because you were talking and I'm like, fine picture of Will Long. <laughs> Let's change, <laughs> yeah. this, change this slideshow to add him in. <laughs> yeah. The, the good news for me is that I've, I've been, like I said, I've been researching Bill O'Brien's offenses. And now now I don't need to go and research another offense because basically Will Long is just going to run whatever Bill O'Brien tells him to. Exactly. And that that's kind of where we're going to wrap things up here. So, Mitch, where can people find your work? You can find me at Mitch T. Wolf, W-O-L-F-E on Twitter. Uh, and again, uh, check out Eagle Insider. Um be having more ideally this week we'll be publishing the first part of a series about bill o'brien's offenses over the last few years uh looking more at the stats as i'm still reviewing a lot of the film um 
from his time at Alabama. Um, and the next week, ideally, we'll have some more stuff with film clips and talk about concepts and schemes that O'Brien likes to employ and therefore what we can expect BC to be doing on offense next year. And for those folks, if you're listening right now, you do not have an Eagle Insider subscription. 75% off deal ends at midnight tonight and it goes down. It's We're going to still have a deal, but it's not 75% off. You want to sign up right now. And I want to announce right now that we have baseball coverage. Skip Baseball, um, if you've seen him on our site, it's Skip McCarty, um, is a diehard BC baseball nut. And he's joined us as a writer. Um, if you like Mitch's work, if you like Beacon Street Ball's work, if you like BC hockey bloggers' work, this is like the baseball version of this. This guy knows the team it's inside. It's of- AJ Thanos Black putting the Infinity Stones of BC Sports Ex- Twitter together. Exactly. On <laughs> exactly. Exactly. If you want to go to another site and just listen to what the coaches say and and just boring, you know, recaps of games, go for it. That's not what Eagle Insider is about. I bring people in to talk about what's going on on the field, what the analysis of the game, what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong. You're going to get top-notch responses from every sport now. we got it all covered. Come over to Eagle Insider. Get that 75% off deal right now. And I am going to get off this podcast in a second and write up Will Long coming on. Mitch might have something up about him at some point, too. Come over. Check that out. And follow me on Twitter at AJBlack247. Uh, BC Basketball is um, back tomorrow. They're going to face Louisville. We saw hockey destroy Harvard, thank God, tonight in the Beanpot Consolation game. Um, and then we'll talk more about uh, BC football because I bet you – I'm guessing based on recruiting schedules and the timing of call, um, the spring, spring practices – we're going to get a uh, defensive hire probably in the, by the end of this week. Uh, so keep your eyes open for that. I saw someone mention Matt Patricia. That, oh, um, might, as well, that one, might as well just steal Vinny De Palma back from the Patriots then. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you all so much for listening. And I appreciate it. This is another great episode. Uh, hit the like button before you leave and hit subscribe. It does make a difference. Tell your friends. Tell everyone about Locked On Boston College, your team, every day.